You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. This is your Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard. Today's show brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection and reliably low prices. All the car parts you will ever need. rockauto.com. And when you check out rockauto.com, make sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim, we've got some basketball news that we're going to hit on just off the top here with your Johnson leaving Oak Hill Academy. That actually touched down like an hour before we did this. And we'll also get into our football grades at the bye. Enrique Cruz coming up tomorrow on the show. That is now confirmed. That's not a verbal commitment anymore. That is a letter of intent bit being signed. So <laughs> we will talk with Enrique Cruz, one of the highly touted prospects in this class of 2021 football class on tomorrow's show. But we start with Dior Johnson. And we don't have to go and flesh this out too much just because, I mean, we talked ad nauseum about Dior. And I think yeah. a lot of the things <laughs> that we said yesterday kind of fall in line with what we're seeing right now. Dior Johnson has reportedly left Oak Hill Academy. Again, he went home to, I believe, seek a second opinion on a stress fracture that he's dealing with or a stress reaction in his foot. He's been in a boot, I believe. And this is, again, the the turbulence of, of the teenager, I guess, right here. He's flipping back and forth. He's been to, what, three, four, five high schools now at this point. It's, yeah, it's getting up there. Yeah. yeah, it's it, it still worries me a little, a little bit, and I don't know if he's he's going to end up playing at Syracuse still. Yeah, I mean, first off, I hope he's okay and everything's Absolutely. all good on mm-hmm. on that front. And shout out to Donna Detota; she wrote the article and sort of broke this news at Syracuse dot com. In the article, the head coach Steve Smith at Oak Hill, who's been there for a while, says he's at home. Whether he's coming back, I don't know. He left campus and went home. He was with his mother. I really can't say much else. And then he also said it's an administrative decision and it's his decision about whether he comes back. That's Steve Smith saying that. So, I mean, obviously I, I would I have to imagine the foot injury didn't help things, but we'll just wait and see. I mean, it's not, we, we don't know anything here. It's not really worth speculating on, but you hope he's okay and you hope that his foot and everything is okay and hopefully he can get back on the court soon. I think he's probably comes back to Oak Hill. But yeah. yes, I, I feel like some spe- of this might like, be right, blown up a little say. out of proportion. But I would guess he probably comes back to Oak Hill in some capacity, uh, whether it's one season, who knows. The The whole reclassification process, again, is something that's kind of been on his mind, albeit something that has slowed down a little bit. But I, if I had to guess, he's probably going to come back to Oak Hill. Yeah, it's a long way from home. So, I mean, there's a number of things that could have played a factor into this decision. The other thing worth noting, Zion Cruz, a Syracuse target, is at Oak Hill also. And, I mean, you don't know what this does for that, but there obviously was some rumblings and some internal optimist viewing of it as, oh, this could be a, a package deal maybe, or it's good that they'll get to play with one another, get to know one another. We know they went on the visit together, and they seem friendly with one another. So in that regard, I guess you hope he does return to Oak Hill if you really like Zion Cruz. That's, I mean, I don't really know what it means. It's just worth noting that Cruz is on the Oak Hill team, and he's a Syracuse target also. All right, let's get into some football grades here. We start with the offense. What we're going to do here, we're going to go offense, defense, 
special teams, coaching, and then we'll break down some subsets within each of those groups right there that I listed off. But let's start with this. So we start with the offense, and it's been less than impressive through these first couple of weeks. They're averaging 17.7 points per game. Again, most of that inflated because of the game against Georgia Tech, where they go out and score 37, a 6-spot, a 10-spot in the two weeks prior to that. But what grade are you giving this offense through three weeks? I'm going to give them a D for Tommy DeVito, basically. Um, it's it's not quite an F after what we saw against Georgia Tech, but the first two weeks to me were a flat-out F. And I don't care if people think that's too harsh. I mean, 16 points in two weeks, albeit against good competition, that's unacceptable. And it looked like the same offense we saw from last year. The reason why it's a D is because we saw some signs of life at the running back spot with Sean Tucker. We saw some signs of life in the running game, but I can't go higher than a D because Georgia Tech is a very vulnerable rushing defense. And honestly, I need to see them prove it against maybe a Duke, which has a pretty good defensive line, or obviously later on down the schedule, they're going to have more opportunities. We have to see more consistency. We have to see them be able to have a sustainable drive where things just look like they're clicking. Because honestly, a lot of what happened against Georgia Tech was the defense setting them up. And we'll get to the defense grades. It's going to be completely different than the offense for me. But I I can't give them more than a D because DeVito's pocket awareness hasn't gotten better. The O-line hasn't, I mean, maybe they've gotten a little better than at times last year, but that's not saying much. And outside of Sean Tucker and Taj Harris, there hasn't been a whole lot of playmakers on this offense for a lot of reasons. I mean, they need to get the tight ends more involved, but I can't go higher than a D. Yeah, I'm I was fiddling between a C minus and a D plus. And the reason why is think about in the past when you look at the Syracuse offense, especially during the Dungy days. Like you would have given that offense probably at least a B every single year with right. Dungy. Maybe a B minus for some years. But it's kind of the opposite now. This run game is phenomenal. And again, sure, it was Georgia Tech, but he also, Sean Tucker, that is, he also did it against Pitt in his limited carries too. So I think here's why I'm going to go with the D plus. I really want to try to give this team a C minus, but I'm going to go with the D plus solely because you didn't put up points in the first two games. You put up points in the third game, but you didn't put up points in the first two. And even when there was an uneven attack with Dungy, with it being pretty much all aerial, and, and sure, he did it with his own legs at times, but the the true backfield of Dante Strickland and Mo Neal didn't get a ton done for you on the ground, but they were still putting up points. And that's why I'm going to stick with the D-plus for this offense, because they didn't put up points in two of the three games. So it's tough for me to, to do anything much better than that. Let's go into a couple position groups here. So we're both very, very down on, on the quarterback right now, but but where are you putting the grade for the quarterback position? Uh, I would say it's like a D as well, or eh, maybe a C minus. I haven't flushed that one out quite as much. I mean, DeVito on Pro Football Focus is getting a lot better grades this year. I mean, last year he was 122 in the country. Obviously, there's less teams this year, but he's now up to 33rd in the country in terms of position grade for the quarterback position. Yeah, so that's like a little over half of what we've seen. 
Yeah, and it's early. Top half. I mean, DeVito's good when there's a running game. So my whole conversation on the offense comes back to these first three weeks have just proven to me that the running game is the X factor for this team, and they will go as their running game goes. And that's not that shocking given what we know about the Dino offense. My concern is can DeVito, I'd like to see DeVito do more with some broken plays. He has been a little bit better on his feet this year in terms of extending plays and picking up some first down runs that way. He's done already more of that in three games than I think he did all of last season. Now, he was hurt a little bit last season as well, so we'll give him some benefit of the doubt for that. He did get banged up against Pitt, too, so we, we don't know if he's 100-100%, but it seems like he, he's running around more and he's more apt to run around this year. I just can't give DeVito that high of a grade, though, because it's like the same quarterback that we saw last year, and it's the same flaws we saw last year. I'm with you on, on the D for Tom, or well, I, I'm giving Tommy a, a D for, for his okay. grade, because I think the run game has done a lot to help him out, but you still see some some bad plays out of Tommy that, that sets this team back, even in the win. That I mean, that interception was a terrible interception that he threw. Yeah, against but Georgia I'm Tech, cool with so. him taking some chances. Like, no, but I'm, I I'm see cool with him taking that. chances. That's fine. But the chance that he took there was selfish. When you watch back the play, I mean, that it was, was a, a clear bad throw. I, yeah. I need to get mine. And, and when I see that, that that is just so off-putting for me when I see a throw like that come out of his hand. So that's why I, I'm not gonna gonna give him a ton of credit for for that performance because I think he was aided a lot by the run game. Now, the running backs, I don't know what, what grade you're going to give them, but I'm looking at a B-plus for this group because I think Sean Tucker has breathed a lot of life into this. Jawar Jordan, underwhelming. Markenzie Pierre really hasn't gotten a lot of touches. Pierre but has been I bad, like what I, I would say. I, I like what I see out of Sean Tucker, and it's enough to, for the rest of the group to, to overcome the performances of the rest of the group. B-plus is fair. I agree with that. Pierre has also been... He struggled a lot in pass protection to the point yes. where... Mm -hmm. I don't even know if we're going to see much of Marquensi Pierre after the bye week if he doesn't pick it up. And I think that's a shame because he's the elder statesman of those three guys that you just mentioned. And I had high hopes for him when he came to Syracuse. But at first it was the fumbling issues. Now we just haven't really seen any positive plays out of him, anything of note. And Jordan at least like gives you a different style. Pierre is pretty similar in terms of if he's running well, it would be the same way as Sean Tucker is doing, and Tucker's already proven that he can run a little bit better than him so far. Also, when you've got a guy playing as well as Sean Tucker, you don't need three backs in the backfield. Like, yeah. when you look at, and I'm not comparing Sean Tucker to Saquon Barkley, but when Barkley's healthy, they don't run three different backs out of that backfield, okay? You don't need three different running backs when you've got an effective attack with your number one guy. And if Tucker is going to be that true bona fide number one, okay, sure, throw in Jawar Jordan from time to time to to spell him, or if you want a, a little bit of more lightning to go along with the thunder that Sean Tucker brings, or if you want more of a receiving presence, all right, cool, go with go with Jawar Jordan. But there really is no need for Markenzie Pierre in the backfield when Sean Tucker's playing as well as he is. Yeah, I agree. And as for the wide receivers for me. They've kind of underwhelmed. Now, Taj has made some big plays, and he's kind of that boomer bust type option. And obviously, this also harpens back to DeVito has missed. Like, DeVito owes Queeley some touchdowns. And Queeley, <laughs> we could be talking about him as a Sean yeah. Tucker-like breakout candidate if DeVito just hit him on the money a couple of times. 
So Quigley's been decent, but outside of that, Nikeem's had some drops. I guess you saw some signs of life from him. Nikeem has really struggled in blocking, though, and I don't really see how that changes. He's just a small guy. They're not getting enough out of the wide receivers blocking-wise on screen plays, on run plays, whatever. And when you look at pro football focus, Nikeem's grades for uh, pass blocking and run blocking are very, very low compared to the other receivers. And it makes sense. He's a smaller guy. We also just haven't seen, like, Quilly has stepped up a little bit, but we haven't really seen any of those potential breakout candidates, a Barron, uh, Ed Hendricks, a Courtney Jackson even. And some of that's just because of opportunity, but I... I would have liked to have seen maybe a little more depth present itself at the receiver position. And I'll even group the tight ends into that. And again, that comes back to opportunity. Benson and Hackett have been non-factors in this offense, which is head-scratching, obviously. All right, let's get to the defense. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, in today's world, you've got to make a lot of tough decisions when it comes to maintaining your car. But sometimes, there's an easy answer right in front of you. And that's the simple choice that rockauto.com provides for you. rockauto.com, unlike all the other chain stores, does not offer you different price tiers for different parts. No, you know you are getting the lowest price when you go to rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years go to rockauto.com and you can get thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything whether you need an engine control module brake parts tail lamps motor oil or even just a new carpet because you've been driving around so much and kids are practicing their fall sports and getting into the swing of things you can get it at rockauto.com the website is super easy to navigate and the catalog is seamless as well best of all the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Again, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. This defense has been phenomenal, and I I bet we're going to grade this team really highly across the board, but your grade for the overall performance of the defense through three weeks is? A minus. That's, I mean, about as good as you could expect from the defense. The only reason why I have the minus is the linebackers tackling at times and the run defense allowing 275 yards on the ground to Georgia Tech is a bit concerning. I, I still would like to see a little bit more from guys like Jeff Cannon Arku and some of those young linebackers stepping up and making some more tackles in the open field. But they have not really given up many big plays, and there has not been any blown coverages, any wide open guys across the middle and the seams, deep, whatever. And honestly, it's sad, but it's kind of surprising because that's what Syracuse football has had a lot in the defense. There's been breakdowns, there's been these. Lamar Jackson 70-yard touchdowns to start the game or whatever it is. So I'm that's exciting and that also probably goes back to the coaching. Can't say enough good things about Tony White and what he's getting out of this defense because they're playing a lot of guys and they're playing a lot of young guys as well. Yeah, I think the only big play that I can remember that ended up in a touchdown well it wasn't a touchdown but it led to the touchdown. I th- it was that week 1 against UNC if I'm remembering correctly. 
it was uh, a pass down the sidelines. Bo Corrales kind of got within like the the three, and then they punched it in. Yeah, and really, there's outside of that. I mean, the big plays have gone way down. Georgia sure, Tech there's a got couple a first in thirty five or something yeah. like that. But that like, was like wasn't a there are a coverage. couple here and there, but like that's just the nature of defense. You, you're yeah, not gonna. Totally you're not going to totally shut down every single offense that comes through. And I think Jeff Sims also phenomenal quarterback, but even when they do let up some of these big plays, they get after it with the turnovers. So it's the trade off there of the big plays that you allow and the turnovers. And right now what you're seeing with the amount of turnovers that they are forcing versus the amount of big plays that they're allowing. I mean, when you look at it, the, They've already forced 10 turnovers through three games. Yeah, they lead the country in turnovers and right now. It's unbelievable. So when you're forcing that many turnovers, and sure, is this sustainable? Probably not. Like, I I wouldn't say over the next three games they're going to put up another 10 turnovers. But is it unrealistic to say that they might put up six? I don't think so. I just think that's the way that this team is functioning right now. And you're hopefully going to get back a healthy Andre Sisko. I think... This is a, a very timely bye week for this team because of the fact that he's going to be able to get a little healthier. I mean, we don't know what his status is moving forward, but I'd imagine this if it's a, a little pregame stinger, hopefully it's not a long-term thing. We'll have to wait and see on that, but this could not be more timely of a bye week to get him healthy and get, get another ball hawk out there in a game where you forced five turnovers, I believe it was, against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and you did it yeah, without your best it. turnover creator. Like that to me speaks volumes to the not the depth necessarily, but the amount of guys on your team that can make plays on the defensive side. Yeah, the secondary to me is a very very solid A, and you could even make the case it's an A plus because you did lose a couple guys. Cole it's an A plus in my book. Yeah, I I I'd go to A plus actually because it's just been as advertised and the expectations were sky high going in but to lead the country in turnovers gained at this point is awesome they're playing physical they're playing hard and by the way they're being put in a tough spot I mean the offense has not given them much rest time and there's been some injuries like we when we go down the offense we're quick to point out offensive line injuries because that has been a factor for sure and there has been some opt-outs at the running back spot you could bring up as part of the reason why the offense is struggling well, the defense, Richards has missed some games. Cisco missed last game. We don't know if he'll be back. Coley has missed some time. I might be missing a couple other guys, but there's already been some banged-up guys, especially in the secondary, and you've got all these youngsters coming in, like Neil Nunn, Hannah, all these guys that are just making plays, which is great to see. It's just, yeah, it's the next man up. It's the the fact that they just fly around. They're hitting guys hard. They're having fun out there on defense. I mean, yeah. you and I have criticized the the flip on the the interception from Carter, the, the flip to to Trill Williams. And while I would not advise you make that play again, it kind of shows that they are having fun. And hopefully that fun doesn't turn into a detriment at some point. Hopefully things don't get too loose out there on the field. But the, these guys are are working as one. I mean, they look unbelievable out there. And like you said, I mean, a guy like Rob Hanna, Marlo Wax, all these guys stepping up. I mean, the defensive line, I think, still ha- has left me with a lot to be desired so far this season. I'm, I'm looking through right now. Only six sacks through the three games, so two a game. It, it, it's not terrible. You'd like to see that yeah. number up a That's little a bit three, more, three, especially five, because, 
Yeah, and that's true, but especially against some of these offensive lines that they've faced. They haven't faced the greatest of offensive lines. So yeah. that's that's why I'm a little concerned in that department. I would like to see a little more pressure, but when this team does get pressure sometimes, I mean, sure, some of these um, turnovers have gone down as interceptions, but there very well could be some some forced fumbles as opposed to interceptions out there. Like we mentioned, the, the Josh Black interception – Yep. is definitely one that that comes to mind as being a uh, more of a forced fumble as opposed to an interception and they had another one like that um the one that that Jonathan or Kingsley Jonathan also forced into an interception as well so they're they're getting pressure up front but I would like to see a little bit more and, and that's when you could see this team go from being in the what our eyes see as an A minus defense into an A plus defense is if they start getting to the quarterback and wreaking some more havoc that way yeah, by the way, I think Bear, we have to give him some credit just because I haven't really seen it out there that people are praising him, but McKinley Williams being back is a huge deal. He just doesn't put up stats or he's not going to be a flashy type of player given how he plays and the position he plays, but we do have to give him some credit too. It kind of reminds me of what Chris Slayton did, and again, they they play the same position, they serve the same purpose, but... He didn't put up the gaudiest of numbers. Like, I think his senior season, he only had, like, one or two sacks. It was not good, but he just took so much attention, and that allowed some of the guys on the outside, like Kendall Coleman, Elton Robinson, that's why they both had double-digit sacks that year, is because of the fact that a guy like Slayton could take away a lot of the pressure for for them. And we saw how much they missed Bear last year. So he's one of those that would qualify to me as one of the more valuable players on the defense, even though it doesn't show up in the stack column. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into our special teams as well as some of the coaching and what grades we're going to hand out there. That's up next. So a lot of people like to refer to Syracuse as punter U. I think that's continuing this year, given the play of Nolan Cooney, who has emerged as yet another spectacular punter in the line that's we've seen started with Riley Dixon, continued with Sterling Hoffrichter. It looks like Cooney's up next in that lineage. So he's been phenomenal this year. What overall have you taken away from the special teams? Because this is a team that really lost a lot in terms of special teams value from a season ago, not just in the punting unit with Sterling Hoffrichter, but also in the returns game when Sean Riley, he graduates from the program. He was one of the more dynamic return men in the country. So you see Nikeem Johnson back there with punts. He's back there with kickoffs for the most part. Jawar Jordan gets his his touches from time to time as well in that department. But what do you see when when you're looking at the Syracuse special teams? What grade are you giving that unit? So I said B+. It's interesting how you phrase that because the one known commodity and kind of the biggest thing that was returning that we didn't even probably discuss in the preview podcast is Andre Schmidt, and he's actually been really the only thing that's been down. Not necessarily like just Schmidt, but the kicking unit has missed a couple. They missed one field goal against UNC, and then they missed a PAT that was blocked. But I really can't knock them too much because, as Dino, I think he said something like, that's just a blue moon type of thing when Andre Schmidt misses a kick like that. We've seen... Yeah, it was in the 20 to 29 range. Like, when you think about luck... I, I chalk that up more to bad yeah. luck. Yeah, you're not going to make them all. Yeah, he's not. So, well, you're not going to make them all, but Andre Schmidt's probably not missing another twenty to twenty nine yarder for the rest of the year. Exactly. Like th- those are those are layups for him. 
And I think that's more of a, a freak. And I haven't really looked back at the play, so I don't know. Was there something off with the the hold, the snap? He kind of slipped. Maybe I can't even remember. But Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, I guess my point is that's the known commodity. So if there's one thing that you'd like to be quote unquote down at this point in the season, it'd be that because I'm optimistic, like you said, that he won't probably miss another one of those from short range the rest of the year. As far as the stuff that we didn't really know about like Nolan Cooney and who would be the punter and how effective they would be. And Nikeem Johnson filling in for Sean Riley. I'd give all like basically A's to that. Cooney has been awesome. There was the Nikeem Johnson return against UNC had the bad penalty. I think it was Mahar, if I'm remembering correctly, who had that sort of block in the back or whatever they called it. That was kind of a silly mistake or a bad time block because it was the touchdown return for Johnson. It would have been, Especially nice to have that, given how the offense was playing against UNC. But Nikeem, has, when he's gotten into space, he's flashed his speed, his athleticism. He had a nice kickoff return against Georgia Tech. They've done a good job in coverage. So, again, I would say special teams, they rank near the top in the ACC. And I think at this point, we can just come to expect that from Syracuse, which is awesome. Right. I'm not going to knock Andre Schmidt for, for missing a 50-plus, and, and I don't no. think the 20-29 the to 29 is is going to be a problem moving forward. So I think overall, I mean, the special teams, I'm, I'm going to give a solid B. I think that I'd like to see maybe a little bit more out of the returns game and, and pick up some more hidden yardage that way, but overall, I think that this has been a, a pretty solid unit. And, and I think like the returns have been good. Occasionally we see, like in the Georgia Tech game, Occasionally, we see some some punt returners get loose, and I would like that to get fixed. So, the the coverage for the most part has been good, but I would like to see it maybe take another step up before I start putting it into the the category of an A. Let's move to the coaching side of things here because this will be interesting. <laughs> this is yeah. I think we have to start at the top here with Dino Babers. What have you seen out of Dino? What's different this year with him? And what grade are are you going to land on for the guy who's leading Syracuse? Really, probably the hardest grade to give. I guess I give him like just a C minus or a C. I mean, he quit on his team in one game, and we gave him you know some smoke for that, as I think we should have after the way that Pittsburgh game ended. You never do that, and that was disheartening to watch. Now. They have made some changes, and maybe this isn't just Dino now that I'm talking about, but the coaching staff as a whole. I've seen already some progress and some different looks from a play-calling perspective. We talk about the tight ends all the time. They didn't do a ton with them, but at least they threw to them a couple times. And then you can tell that there's a noticeable difference in how they are trying to run the football. They are trying to get outside the tackles. They're trying to get Jordan on some quick passes. And Gilbert is learning on the fly here what's in front of him. Obviously, it was a tough tough camp and all those things the the play calling has been suspect though so I can't give them much more than like a C minus as a whole for the coaching because a Dino at the end of Pittsburgh really bothered me and then B they're just not getting a ton out of their offense and I know there's more talent than we're seeing on the field offensively because on defense it's a unit that yeah they have a great secondary but they're maximizing what is what we thought was not a super talented linebacker group. So it's tough to grade the coaching because like the the whole case of Syracuse football, you have a great defense so far that's exceeded expectations and a bad offense. So 
overall, it's tough to give them a, a flat grade because Tony White's been an A plus in my eyes, but Gilbert right. has been somewhere in the C range. So Dino, for me, I'm giving him a D plus. I think the uh, the coaching decisions in Pitt, the the absolute quitting on his team just rubbed me the absolute wrong way almost to the degree where you have to start questioning his job and some of the other things I mean a lot of the recruiting stuff falls on his shoulders and the fact that you have to go to a converted fullback slash tight end to play left guard for you is that's on him like that's on Dino Babers that there is not enough depth on the offensive line that it's yeah. a crippling unit right Some now. Some bad breaks, so, but I mean, I agree with yes, you. Yes, no, no doubt. Yeah. But I, again, that's on him. And I, if anyone, like, there's no one else that you can really pin that on. So the lack of depth is on him. And, and then some of the decisions. I mean, to not call timeouts in a two-possession game in an 11-point game against Pitt is, is just inexcusable. So it's tough for me to give him anything more than a D-plus right now because of the fact that he has not just made some bad in-game decisions, but also the external stuff of not building up an offensive line. I think that is something that's really holding this team back right now. Tony White, I'm with you. A plus. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you could better. not have drawn it up better. And does he have more talent on his side of the ball than the other side? Yeah, sure. But he's maximized that talent too. And we're even seeing these guys, again, these defensive backs are kind of what the wide receivers have been for Syracuse in the past. doesn't matter who it is. We're going to plug them in and they're going to be a star for this team. Like yeah. I'm not saying Rob Hanna is going to be an all American this year, but is he a guy who could maybe with the way that he's been playing so far, work his way into the all conference conversation, maybe not this year, but in the next couple years, sure. once Andre yeah. Cisco leaves, once Trill Williams leaves. Absolutely. Like that's just who he is. That that's the way that he's played this year. You cannot give Tony White enough credit for what he's done because he's had to work through a lot of the same problems that the other side of the ball has. And guess what? He's maximized his side. The other side has not. Sterling Gilbert, I'm giving you a C- minus so far this season. And the reason why is because the the offense and the play calling, I think a lot of creativity has been, there's a lot to be desired there. Um, it started to pick up a little bit in the Georgia Tech game, but I want to see those tight ends get involved. The saving grace here is that he has committed to the run game. I mean, Sean Tucker getting 24 carries a game ago shows a commitment to the run game. And I like what he's done. And again, we kind of highlighted this at the beginning of the season. You are going to see a lot more runs with a guy like Sterling Gilbert. He has produced many thousand yard rushers as an offensive coordinator in college football. So that's something that you definitely have to keep in mind, and I think he has gotten, I won't say he's squeezed all the juice out of the run game, but he, he's done a good job at getting some sort of running game at Syracuse, because we haven't seen that in the past five or so years. Yeah, my only two knocks on him is he just has not maximized the tight ends, and he has not maximized Jawar Jordan. We discussed with Anthony DeBundo who are the breakout candidates, we kind of both agreed along with Debundo, that it'd be Jawar Jordan and Luke Benson as two of the primary candidates. Well, I mean, you wouldn't know if you just dropped down and watched Syracuse football for the first time this year that they have any sort of speed and they can be big play threats and can really help out this offense right now the way he's utilized them. But hopefully that changes as as the playbook grows a little bit wider. And yeah, I mean, what you said about the defense, I, I totally agree with. It's It's amazing. I don't think I've ever felt this good 
in the Dino era about the Syracuse defense. Like going forward, it should only get yeah, better. Yeah, this is better than 2018. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is, because this, this unit's way better than that 2018. It, and, and that like, 2018, that's not to take anything away from them. They were great. Oh, they were great. Yeah, and they but forced a this ton of turnovers. Yeah, I mean, it's the future that I'm getting at, too. Like, when you bring up Rob Hanna and what he could be, I totally agree. I mean, these defensive backs, even though Cisco's going to leave this year, Trill's probably going to leave, and I don't even know who else. I mean, Coley will be out the door soon, guys like that, if he might head to the NFL if he keeps playing well. Well, I think they've got all these great guys behind them that are going to play great, and the linebackers, too. All these guys are going to stay, and they might even get an extra year of eligibility if they elect to use what is their right now, given what the NCAA decided. The D-line, they'll have to replace a little bit, but I'm very, very excited about the future of the defense. Yeah, there's four or five NFL guys on this defense right now. I'm just putting that out there. There, There's yep. at least four or five. So, All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow on the show, like we mentioned, Enrique Cruz will join the program. So one of the highly touted offensive linemen in this class of 2021, he's going to be the man who's in charge of keeping Justin Lampson up on his feet in the future. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. If you have any questions for Cruz, be sure to send those our way as well. You can tweet at the show at LO underscore Syracuse, and we will be sure to ask those to Enrique Cruz when he joins the program. So we will do that tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys on Friday. (laughs) 